0: And as our children leave, we bow to pray. We pray, O God, for ears to hear your Holy Spirit amidst words and scriptures and songs that we might have the capacity even today to be vulnerable before you and allow you to speak And transform us to the people you're calling us to be. Bring healing in places where healing is needed. Bring guidance and correction where it is needed. But above all, bring love. In the name of love made flesh, Jesus our Lord. Amen. One of my earliest life memories happened on Christmas Eve when I was either four or five years old. My family lived in Erie, Pennsylvania, where I was born, and my parents had put me to bed on that Christmas Eve night. You remember those days when Christmas took forever to get there, to get here. You remember? And how Christmas Eve was just palpable with electricity and excitement. They put me to bed, they turned out the lights, closed the door. And I think for the first time ever, I decided to stand up on my bed and look out the window. I don't recall ever having looked out the window before for anything in particular, but I was looking for something this night. I looked up into the stars, and there the stars were. The snow was everywhere, and the stars were in the sky, and I searched, and I saw it. I saw it. It was a red light. And it was going across the sky. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer was going across the sky. It happened. Do you remember when Christmas was magic? When toys, the very ones you wanted, somehow appeared out of thin air right there under the tree in your own house, and you came out in your pajamas, and there they were. How'd that happen? We didn't even have a chimney. How did Santa get in here? Life was magical, really. There was harmony. There was unity. There was welcome. There was abundance. They tell us that healthy lives are formed with this sense of wonder and magic and mystery, that there's more to life than meets the eye. I have a feeling the prodigal son and his older brother grew up in such a world, a magical world where needs were met, where there was abundance, where life had rhythm and boundaries and safety. But inevitably, something happens in life, and the bubble bursts. Maybe it's the death of a beloved grandparent or a parent. Maybe it's some disillusionment that's come in your life, a divorce or a failed career path. Maybe it's some dream that's collapsed. Maybe it's some personal failure that has caused you to shut down. Harmony and abundance and safety have been replaced by conflict, austerity, and danger. And you pass the sign that says, Welcome to the far country. In the far country, you work, but you're never filled. Like the prodigal son, you work, but you're always hungry. Everything you believed is thrown into question. You don't believe anything you're told anymore. Magic and mystery have been replaced by mental thoughts and mechanical thinking. You don't believe. You don't believe in Santa. You don't believe in Jesus. You don't believe in anything. Had a mother say to me this week, I'm conflicted about this Santa thing, how much to play it up. Because I'm afraid that when my children learn about Santa, then they won't know what to believe or who to believe. I understand that. There is a risk that many people have found themselves stuck permanently in the far country of rationalism, of darkness, of loneliness, where there's nothing really all that good in life. And it becomes their life mission to tell others that either there's no Santa or there's no magic or there's no wonder or there's no miracle. The Christmas story is just debunked. Virgin birth, mm, angels singing, stars leading wise men. Who believes this stuff? Where a lot of people live. Others retain the illusion. They show up for church on Sunday morning, but really inside the joy and the hope is gone. They're like the older brother in the story. They've remained home, they're still here, but they're lost in this maze of moralism and judgment and fear. And insecurity and the magic of the old days seems now like a cruel trick. You believe that stuff? Ha! <laughs> gotcha. I hear it in the sentiment that you've heard many times when people say, you know, I just, I'm not in the Christmas spirit. It just doesn't feel like Christmas yet. By which I think they mean it doesn't feel magical anymore like it did when I was a kid. And gifts magically appeared under the tree. I understand this. That effortless magic season of life. Those are fun days. But is the magic season of life just some sadistic trick? That we play on our children ultimately just to break their hearts? What if its purpose is to plant little seeds for a different kind of magic, a different kind of miracle? The apostle said to the church at Corinth When I was a child, I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became an adult, I put away childish things, or maybe a better way to say it is, I transcended those childish things. I came into a new consciousness. I heard it at a deeper level. And there it was. The prodigal son retains some little modicum of magic from his childhood. He'd left home, but home hadn't left him. He remembered. He remembered, how many of my father's servants have bread enough and to spare? And here I am starving. So he decides to go home, but he doesn't feel completely qualified. He doesn't feel like it's right. He composes his little speech. I'll go say to my father, Father, I've sinned before heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of these hired servants. But the text says, while he was still far away, the father sees him as if the father's looking for him, hoping for him. It says that the father had compassion for him, not judgment, not shame. Not punishment, compassion. He runs to him, throws his arms around and kisses him. The son begins his speech, but the father interrupts him, says to the slave, quick, the robe, the ring, the sandals, the fatted calf. And you begin to see that the magic of home is not some sleight of hand. It's not an airplane going across the sky that tricks a little boy. It's not some magic incantation. The magic of home is abundance, welcome, where all are valued and loved. I've always been a little suspicious of this prodigal son's speech. We get to hear it two times in the narrative when he rehearses it in his mind and when he begins to say it again to his father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I've always kind of assumed, I guess knowing myself, that he was kind of schmoozing the dad a bit, working it a bit, sucking up to him, playing the sympathy card. But what if we hear it just a little bit differently? What if part of what motivates this speech on behalf of the prodigal son is that he wants to come join the father in this work of home, in this work of love, Maybe life and Santa Claus aren't about magic in that childish way, but it's real in a different way, where we get to be the person in the red suit. We get to be the mystery and the magic. We get to be the catalyst for toys appearing out of thin air. We get to be the ones to bring the joy into another human's hearts because we've received the ring and the robe and the sandals and we're stuffed on the fatted calf and we see life anew. So we come like the prodigal son saying, let me be part of this team. Let me be like my dad. Not out of duty. But because the deepest longings within the human heart, every human heart, is to connect and receive and give love. That's why we're here. I quote the poet often. We were placed on this earth a little space that we might bear the beams of love. And when you get this at a conscious level, you wouldn't have it any other way. Because as fun as the magic of that Christmas years ago was, to bear the love, to wear the red suit, it's more magical and transforming and joyous than we can ever imagine. Our younger children, since they were small, have attended a YMCA camp outside of Louisville called Camp Piamingo. Many of you know this uh, YMCA camp that does sort of a Native American-based uh, theme throughout their weeks. The kids went every year. Lots of tradition, lots of rituals. At the end of the week they have what they call the final campfire. They light the, the fire, the story's told, and it's magic. But over the years the kids are able to detect sort of how it works. They see behind the curtain. They see how the the fire's lit. And it takes some of the luster away. It's not quite the same. The magic is gone, or so it seems. Because then, as they keep going, they get to be the junior counselors. And then the counselors. Then they get to run the camp And they get to be the one to turn that final campfire into magic for someone else. Is it different? Of course it's different. But the magic they discover is not the sleight of hand. It's the joy. It's the wonder. It's the love that is shared. In the 4th century, Athanasius said, He became what we are so that he might make us who he is. Or to say it perhaps just a little differently. He became what we are to remind us of who our daddy is. To call us to live into our destiny. We are children of love. We are made in the image of God. And as such, we have never, ever been forgotten. Ever. No matter how far we get in the far country, the Father is waiting, looking for you. John Steinbeck tells the story of a father and son in a poor Mexican village who get in an argument one day, so much so that the son, whose name is Paco, announces, I am leaving for the city and I'm never coming back. And he leaves the father assures the mother that he'll be back. He'll be back. But days go by and Paco does not return. So after a week, the father mounts the little burrow and makes his way toward the big city to find his son and invite him home. He goes to every place where young men are congregated asking, have you seen my son Paco? But they say, "We, we don't know, there's... Lots of Paco's in this city. We, we don't know where to find Paco. At last, the father, in desperation, takes what little money he has and goes to the newspaper office to take out an ad in hopes that his son might see the ad. The ad said simply this, Paco, please come home. All is forgiven. Meet me tomorrow at 3 o'clock in front of the newspaper office love your father. The next day, he made his way anxiously toward the newspaper office, hoping, praying that his son would be there. But when he rounded the corner where the newspaper office was located, he found that the street in front of the office was filled with young men, all named Paco all hoping it was their father who had placed the ad in the newspaper. Christmas is God's ad, which says, I'm looking for you. All is forgiven. All is loved. Whether you're in the far country or you're home but disconnected, I'm looking for you to join this magic, miracle making work of love. Will you say yes? Will you say yes as Mary said yes? This is the invitation for you and me. Together we sing our refrain. number 127. Together we stand and make our response to God. We would welcome you on this final Sunday of Advent to come and be part of this work of love. Together we stand and sing.